views and opinions of the following program are not necessarily those of the staff, management, ownership, or sponsors of the Real Talk Radio Network. Portions may be pre-recorded. This is the Real Talk Radio Network. The following program is sponsored by Frank Shelton. Welcome to Frank Shelton's podcast on life, leadership, and our Lord. Frank is an author, evangelist, and one of the most sought-after speakers in America. Frank is married to his sweetheart, Ruth, and they have two children and live near Washington, D.C. After working two decades on Capitol Hill, he left by faith to preach the gospel. He served five years on staff with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and he was a chaplain at three Summer Olympics. Today, Frank has preached on five continents and addressed audiences at stadiums over 120,000 in attendance. His TV ministry, By Faith with Frank Shelton, airs weekly to over 150 million homes worldwide. And today, he's thrilled to speak to you. Enjoy today's message by our host, Frank Shelton. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's great to be with you again. Hope everybody is well in your world. And I'm excited about the show today. You know, I was born in February. We had George Washington was born in February. There was Abraham Lincoln. There was uh, Sarah Palin. Ronald Reagan was February 6th. And I was born President's Day weekend, February 20th. I was born President's Day weekend. My son was born Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2009. The hour Obama became president, my mom was born the 4th of July. I joke if you cut the Shelton's veins, they bleed red, white, and blue. I love Reagan. I heard him speak in person when I was 10 years old. My father, one of my favorite pictures is my father was next to the limousine with President Reagan at the U.S. Capitol and the Gipper was waving in the wind with that million-dollar smile with the cufflings glistening off the sun. And uh, But when Reagan spoke, the great communicator, even in a crowd of 10,000, you thought he was speaking to you. You know the story that my ancestor hand-carried Abraham Lincoln on Good Friday, Ford State, or 1865, the night that Lincoln was shot. I was doing a Ronald Reagan impression one time, and it was in San Diego, Come Together San Diego, on a Christian conservative station in California, and I got a call from the producer. I said, oh, wow, so you didn't like it? He goes, man, it was amazing. He said, matter of fact, Sarah Palin's chief of staff was on Highway 1, and uh, she overheard it, and she wanted you to call in, so for 30 minutes, I'm doing Ronald Reagan on a radio show back in the day with Sarah Palin. It was funny. But you know, when Abraham Lincoln, when he walked to Ford's Theater, he had hired an African-American butler, and every time he saw him, he would tip his stovetop hat out of respect and say, see you later. And they say the night that Lincoln, when he was heading to Ford's Theater, he saw the African-American butler that he employed not as a slave but as a respected staff member of the executive team in the White House as a butler. 
the greatest are the servants. And that time when he walked by the six foot four commander in chief with the stovetop hat, all in black, and I'm not talking Johnny Cash, I'm talking Abraham Lincoln, he tipped his hat and whispered goodbye. After he was shot, they interviewed the butler and he said he walked by me a thousand times and he always said, see you later. But on that night, it was reported and recorded that Lincoln said goodbye. I'm convinced that the greats know what time it is, and the greats know when their time is up. It was Lincoln who helped freed the slaves, and it was the Lord Jesus Christ who freed us all enslaved to sin. They both died on Good Friday. But I want to talk to you. I was recently at the United States Senate, and I went over towards the Federal Credit Union, and for 20 years I worked on Capitol Hill. And I saw it says, honoring a Capitol Hill legend. Work hard, be true to yourself, take responsibility, have a positive outlook, expect the best of people. That was Herbert Bertie Bowman. These are the beliefs that Bertie Bowman lived by and the values that have served him well throughout his life and career. This was powerful, and I wanted to share it with you. Arriving in the United States Capitol in 1944, Bertie Bowman was the longest-serving African-American staff member on Capitol Hill. He went from sweeping the steps to working in the coffee shop and the Capitol barber shop. Bertie held several jobs in the U.S. Senate, ultimately rising to become the assistant hearing coordinator for the United States Senate Foreign Relations Committee, one of the most powerful committees in Congress. Bertie was born in the small town of Somerton, South Carolina in 1931. His precise birth date is uncertain, but he believes he was born April 12, 1931. A 12-year-old Bowman met Senator Burnett Maybank. He was a Democrat from South Carolina, and while he was campaigning for re-election outside of a local store, Maybank addressed the crowd as he was leaving and said, quote, if you're ever in Washington, come by and see me. Bertie recalls asking him, you mean if I come to Washington, D.C., can I come by and see you? And Maybank replied, yes. A year later, Mr. Bowman left home and went to D.C. by faith. He said, quote, when I got to Union Station, the train station in the nation's capital, he said, man, I thought that was Washington. All those lights, he said, I'd never seen that many lights before. Leaving Union Station, Bowman saw the Capitol and remembered Senator Maybach's words. Far from home with few resources, Bowman recalls the considerable amount of assistance and kindness he received from D.C. workers just passing by. After spending several nights sleeping on the benches at Union Station, Bowman succeeded in finding the senator. He quickly arranged Bowman's first job in Washington, sweeping the steps of the U.S. Capitol. It was only later that Bowman learned the job had been an unofficial one. Maybach was paying Bowman salary out of his own pocket. For 60 years, Bertie Bowman witnessed history in the making, the death of FDR, World War II, Brown versus the Board of Education. 
He saw the civil rights movement in Vietnam and Watergate. A proponent of unconditional kindness, Birdie formed many endearing relationships throughout his career on Capitol Hill with members of both sides of the aisle. He met President Barack Obama, with whom he worked on the Foreign Relations Committee for three years. Also, former President Clinton worked for Bowman as a young messenger for the committee when he was a junior at Georgetown University. Secretaries of State Hillary Clinton and John Kerry also worked closely with Bernie, as did Vice President Joe Biden and many other notable leaders on Capitol Hill. By the mid-1950s, Bowman had established himself as a jack-of-all-trades around the Capitol. With each step, Bowman's can-do attitude turned him to a mentor and advocate community leader, and he became a published author. His autobiography, released in 2008, talked about his time, his tenure spent in Washington, and received a foreword from the former President of the United States, William Jefferson Clinton. He talked about his time from rising from a janitorial staff position to his experience coordinating the powerful committee chairman. And Mr. Bowman knows best how to utilize his depth of understanding with how Capitol Hill works in order to make a true difference. You know, what's interesting about Bertie, that it was faith that he left from South Carolina to come to Washington. It is encouraging that's an elected official stood on his promise and helped him get his own job. My former boss was Billy Graham, and he pastored 13 presidents, 12 of which he, he knew before they had the highest office in the land. And when someone asked, Dr. Graham, are you after the right wing or the left wing? He laughed. He goes, I'm going after the whole bird. I wanted to highlight Bertie Bowman. He is now with the Lord. But for years, he served on the board of the United States Federal Credit Union. I believe twice he served as chairman. And now when you go in to one of the satellite offices of the United States Senate Federal Credit Union, they didn't name the office after him. They named the entire brick building after him. The Bernie Bowman building. It's amazing how far faith will take you. I'll be right back. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yeah, I'm well aware of not electing uh, rhinos to go up there and do the Democrats' dirty work. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate everything that you do. You're absolutely outstanding to listen to. I thoroughly enjoy it. I just wish I could call in on more pleasant topics. The Real Talk Radio Network.
Yeah, I enjoyed sharing with that story about Capitol Hill legend Bertie Bowman. And uh, I had the honor to serve two decades. We joke I was almost born there, mom and dad. Mom was pregnant with me and almost went into the labor with me in the halls of Congress. And uh, I'm inspired by Mr. Bowman's legacy. And uh, during my tenure on there, I, I had a lot of jobs. I was a fundraiser for President George W. Bush for four years at the Republican National Committee. I was a speechwriter to a member of Congress on the House side. I was um, the youngest in 40 years to work on the floor of the United States Senate. It's a privilege to work for one senator. Very few out of 5,500 could say they work for all 100 senators and the vice president of the United States, who's the president of the U.S. Senate. Um, I spent half the day with the Republicans, the other half with the Democrats, and it was an honor to serve all. I was also an aide to the governor, and I served in four different White Houses in a volunteer capacity of both parties. I made a point I wanted more than one party at my funeral, and uh, we need good, godly people in government. We need them everywhere. And uh, I did notice that the former governor would rack up a lot of miles. And in Maryland, we have 23 counties. And whether you're running for that high office or trying to keep it, you will hit all 23 counties. And then whether you're running state senate or at the federal level, you'll hit every county in the state. And uh, God impressed on my heart um, to try to hit all 23 counties in the year 24. And as a former driver to a member of Congress, he joked, uh, Frank, why should you get the job? I said, sir, I am a road scholar. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I have some street smarts, never a dull moment, but we had a good time. But we racked up a lot of miles and a lot of laughs and a lot of long nights crisscrossing our region. And uh, I felt like God recently said, Frank, you learned from them. Uh, will you work as hard for me? And I said, yes, sir, here am I, send me. So I'm going to read to you the letter that I'm sending to Many pastors across my state, if you're listening, and whether you live in Maryland or not, we'd love to add value to you. You may be in Missouri, Michigan, Montana, Maine. doesn't have to be Maryland. Next week, I'm in New Mexico. Then we're going to be in Vermont, Illinois, uh, St. Louis. love to see you when I come back to Real Talk Radio. Uh, just booked in North Carolina. But here's the letter. Dear Pastor. The reason I'm reaching out to you is that God placed an assignment that I'm taking seriously. The Lord impressed on my heart to preach in one church of every county of our great state this calendar year. Maryland, as you know, has 23 counties and time is ticking and I'm trusting God to do all 23 and 24. You may recall I had the honor to serve five years as the Maryland-Delaware D.C. State Coordinator for all of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. It was a joy to connect with scores of people and mobilize churches. But one of my favorite parts of the job was meeting, spending time with, and ministering to ministers. I'm already booked in nine countries abroad this year, so I'm not doing this because I'm bored. In fact, I sense an urgency in my spirit. And my prayer is to compliment clergy and connect with the local church, trying to add value along the way. At one time, I served as staff with the former governor of Maryland, and he and those campaigning for that statewide office hit every single county during a campaign. Uh, 
For two decades, I also served on staff with the U.S. Senate. Those running for thy high office also crisscross our state. It dawned on me if they will go that hard for a temporal cause, I cannot do no less for an eternal cause and preach the gospel. Government is one thing, but God is everything. Pastor, would you consider allowing me to preach a Sunday morning service sometime between now and the end of the year? I realize churches often book their schedule months in advance, but without question, we are in unique times. My friend Randy traveled with the late, great Leonard Ravenhill on the road with him as his personal traveling assistant. Ravenhill is one of my favorite preachers and authors, and Randy shared a time with me that Dr. Ravenhill picked up the phone in a hotel and called First Baptist of Atlanta and said, Charles, the Lord told me that your church is ripe for revival and I'm on my way. I had met Dr. Charles Stanley twice before he died, but I would never have the guts to call Dr. Charles Stanley by his first name. But to Ravenhill's credit, said that Charles Stanley humbly cleared his calendar, gave gave God space to move, and that revival shook the city of Atlanta. In fact, it birthed their homeless outreach in Sioux Kitchen, still working around the clock decades later. As far as expenses go, sir, I'm not asking for hotel mileage or flights like some cities. I'm going to waive a speaker bureau fee, come just by faith for a love offering, the only cost is not having the faith to give God a chance. We live completely by faith. That's the name of my radio and TV ministry. And God uses the local church and kind Christians locally and globally to bless what he called us to do. I'm also open, and if you're interested in doing a mini revival, missions emphasis, Harvest Sunday, bring a friend, my goal is not going to be a large city outreach like we've done across the country, but we're going back to basics. In fact... The first one we do is the church I was baptized in 1982 at the age of 10. It would be my high honor to serve you as we try to hit 23 and 24. Friends, if I can be a blessing to your church, please go to the website right now, frankshelton.com, and like the Jackson 5, call my name, and I'll be there. I love Real Talk Radio because they speak the truth. I had heard just a little bit about a new station coming on, and I picked it up, and I've been a faithful listener ever since. We found it just hitting the button to see what was out there. Oh, we listen all day long. Tune in. Turn on the Real Talk Radio Network. Hello. My name is Morgan. Some say I have a way with words. In fact, you could say I have a God-given gift to paint a picture just by the way I talk. I would like to tell you about another who has a similar gift. 
and that's Frank Shelton. I love to listen to his voice and values, because in a world of hate, he promotes love, and where others speak hype, he speaks hope. For time-tested truth, visit www.frankshelton.com. Celebrity Voice Impersonated. You know, one of my favorite passages in all of the scriptures is in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. I remember a story of a young couple that had just gotten married. And would you believe they got in a fight on the honeymoon weekend? And are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? You got your seatbelt on? (laughs) They got in a fight over whose job it was in the morning to make the coffee. And the brand new husband rolled over and said, baby, get up and make the coffee. And if looks could kill, she almost murdered her brand new husband and said, honey, no, you get up and make the coffee. And in my house, my daddy made the coffee. And he said, well, baby, we're not in your daddy's house. They get into a little spat and she goes one way and he goes the other. And they are Christians. And she came back and said, well, why don't we get in the Bible and see whose job it is to make the coffee? And he's rolling his eyes like, how are we going to find the answer to that over coffee? She went back to her room and he went back to his fuming, steam coming out of his ears, frustrated, face red like a Ferrari. And she comes back with a big smile, said, aha, I told you it was your job to get up and make the coffee. He said, honey, how can you prove that? She said, look in the 13th book of the Bible. There's the answer. Hebrews, get up and make it. (laughs) Well, we're standing on holy ground as we're in the third quarter of today's show. I do want to thank our partners. I want to give a shout out to Dr. T.A. Powell from Lynchburg, Virginia, pastor and former professor at Liberty University. Sir, thank you for being a monthly supporter. And I want to thank my godmother, Judy Henderson, in the Palmetto State in South Carolina, One of my heroes of the faith led my mom to Christ at a young age. And Judy has been a godsend. She's the one that took me to meet Stallone when I was in eighth grade, and she's been a monthly supporter. God bless you, Judy. I want to thank Bobby Shelton, who's a monthly supporter. God bless you. And uh, if you would like to link arms with us, maybe give a one-time gift, or if you can be one of the faithful Friends of Frank, go to frankshelton.com, and please, you can do an automatic payment. Maybe you're a businessman today. You know, I used to be a fundraiser for a Republican president. At one dinner, after he spoke, they raised $29 million. Another dinner, one night, $31 million. No one said the president was in it for the money. And it is a privilege. And I felt like the Lord said, don't ever apologize for encouraging folks to be part of the ministry. We're tax deductible. I walked away from a career and a salary and 401k. And maybe you're listening today and you feel led to give. I'm not going to throw a number. There's nothing too big or too small. But you get alone with God, God will give you a number. And I'm going to encourage you to link arms with us, not tomorrow, today. And I'm telling you, we're fighting human trafficking. We're helping rescue lives literally and spiritually. And the Bible said, he that wins souls is wise. Our TV ministry is now reaching over 327 million homes to the glory of God. We're coast to coast on the radio. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast. 
But today I want to talk to you briefly about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12. Seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race set before us. See, Christianity is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that set before us endured the cross, despised the shame, and is currently sitting at the right hand of the Father. Verse 3, consider him lest you faint and grow weary. I want to talk to you today about the cross, Christ, and coming home. Dr. David Gibbs is one of my favorite preachers, and he can preach the paint of the wall, but he can also paint a picture with words. I wouldn't be able to do it justice, so I'm going to defer to this hymn and listen to this. It will blow you away was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. The pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front, I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up, and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing, and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? (laughs) Now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you gotta wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we gonna do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell him, we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating 
bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand, without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. 
you're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down and worship Him now How great, how awesome is He And together we sing is the Real Talk Radio Network, making a difference. One reason why I did not take the vax is because of what I heard on Real Talk Radio. That made a big difference in my life. Bringing the hope. There's hope. There's hope. And bringing the truth. Absolutely the truth. Day after day. I drive a truck and deliver freight, so I get to listen all day long. I don't hear everything, so I'm in and out and in and out, but I catch most everything. The Voice of Freedom. Oh, I love Real Talk Radio. There's a song we sang, The Way of the Cross Leads Home. The Way of the Cross Leads Home. It is sweet to know as I onward go that the Way of the Cross leads home. You know, the major monuments on the National Mall in Washington form the cross. There's the U.S. Capitol, there's the Washington Monument, and the Lincoln Memorial in a straight vertical line. And then To the left, you have the Jefferson Memorial, and to the right is the White House. And sometimes when I would be flying in late, especially a red eye and a Reagan, one of the most beautiful views is coming into the city of my birth, the capital city, the nation's capital. And when the monuments on the mall are all aglow in the midnight hour, the monuments truly form the cross. 
The way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know, as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. For me, that's true in more ways than one, because see, when I saw the cross, it reminds me I'm almost home on earth, to my house, to finally climb in bed. And a lot of times I would politely elbow a businessman and tell them, did you know that the monuments on the mall form the cross? Oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, they didn't know with my mom, the U.S. Capitol used to be at the Historical Society, and I'm basically the unofficial tour guide of Congress. be funny, I'd be at the U.S. Capitol, and, and no joke, the U.S. Capitol tour guides would pause and look at me and say, well, Frank, you take it from here. When you're almost born in the building, you know some facts that even some of them don't know. But it was a chance to witness, and they'd be like, wow, you're right. The monuments form the cross. And I'm reminded that it's through the cross of Christ that I can also go to my heavenly home. You know, Muhammad didn't get on the cross. Buddha didn't get on the cross. Religion didn't get on the cross. The Pope didn't get on the cross. Jesus Christ got on the cross for you. And without the remission of sin and the shedding of blood, we couldn't be forgiven. One time someone came up to my boss, Billy Graham, and said, Dr. Graham, you're usually always on all cylinders, but I just felt like you were off tonight. And Dr. Graham said, I felt it too. I felt like something was missing. And Billy Graham, the revered reverend, one of my heroes of the faith went to his hotel that night and looked over his notes. And to his surprise, he realized he did not mention the blood or the cross. It was a rare time he got on his knees and said, Oh God, I missed it never again. My friends, there's power when you preach the blood. There's power when we preach the cross. See, it's been said if you're trying to earn your way to heaven, you're really just getting a paycheck straight to hell. And it is through the cross that we can come to Christ. Do you know at the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte is a 45-foot glass cross, the front door. And in order to get to the museum, you got to go through the cross. You can't go around it. You can't rappel above it. You can't dig below it. You can't even buy a ticket to get through it. You have to go through the cross to get to the museum and getting to heaven is no different. You can't get around it. You can't get above it. You can't get beneath it. You can't earn your way. You can't buy your way. You can't get on someone else's coattails. You have to go through the cross to come to Christ. Billy Graham said many times at the foot of the cross, the ground is level to Dr. Graham's credit. He was asked to preach in Alabama, and some organizers came up right before the crusade and said, Dr. Graham, you can only preach to whites only. And they had already tried to, with brass poles and red velvet ropes, to try to exclude the blacks and keep them, if anything, way in the back. And Billy Graham himself got off the platform tore down the ropes and said, I'm either preaching to everyone or not at all. And they put down the ropes and Dr. Graham preached to that capacity crowd incremented with the sea of ebony and ivory. And when he gave the altar call, 
blacks and whites with tears came to the cross, to the altar, and gave their life to Christ. And many of them began to hug each other with tears coming down their face. It brought not only repentance and revival, but reconciliation. Dr. Graham was good friends with Dr. King. And today I want to encourage you more than ever, we need to be intentional to be kind to one another. The most important color of all is red. The red blood of Christ inside us is what unites us. Recent show, I talked about some of these celebrities coming to Christ. I talked about Hulk Hogan coming to Christ. One of my best friends in the world is Nikita Koloff, the Russian nightmare, the eight-time world wrestling champ is an amazing born-again Christian and preacher. We just preached together last week. One of our dear friends is Lex Luger, the total package. Born again. Sting is born again. The Undertaker is now born again. I preached a revival in LaBelle, Florida years ago with Dr. Death. Steve Borden is born again. Mark Marrow texted him today, former world wrestling champ, born again. And my friends, it takes a man to live for the Lord. I talked about Nikita and Lex have a thing called man camp. And ladies, I want to encourage your husband to go to this man camp. I've gone to several. It was a big blessing to me personally. And the website is mancamp.info. And I'm going to play an audio that you need to hear but this man camp is in the mountains of Georgia and it talks about family faith and fitness works on finances and how to be forgiven how to have a future with the Lord and be a better family man when he comes home it will change your life it changed mine listen to this video mancamp.info Hi, my name is Lex Luger, one of the co-founders of Man Camp. Nikita and I met, we were both professional wrestlers back in the late 80s. And um, interesting, because we weren't friends. We worked together, we were co-workers, but we didn't mingle at all. And so I guess they say we really didn't get along all that well. We just kind of tolerated each other. And Nikita left professional wrestling and met the Lord in the early 90s. Then on April 20th of 06, uh, God rescued me and we were reunited in a way that only God can. Things just grew from there until eventually we almost do full-time ministry together, which eventually led to this uh, idea of the foundation and uh, founding of Man Camp. I've never seen an event quite like this where you handle all aspects of, of, be, of being a man. Uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, how all those work together in today's world. Um, it all has biblical truth and foundations behind it. Um, we believe some of the key aspects of man camp are number one, the guys taking the time to get away and really um, dig in in their relationship with God. It's really hands-on with Nikita and I. It's pretty intense, but it's a lot of fun too. A lot of interactive uh, activities that uh, 
God's put together. It's so thrilling to watch the men from the first day they come till on the fifth day when they go back home, we send them off. It's just uh, amazing to see the change in them, just their countenance on their face. It is uh, truly a blessing to us. Producer Drew Shelton here. How powerful was that? You're listening to By Faith with Frank Shelton. Don't forget what Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And how about John 14, 6? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. Make sure you check out the website, frankshelton.com. And you can also follow Frank on X, formerly known as Twitter. Just search Frank Shelton Jr. Thank you for joining Frank Shelton today. Consider bringing Frank to your next outreach. Feel free to contact us at frank at frankshelton.com and look for us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Frank Shelton Jr. If you would like to partner with Frank Shelton Global, you can donate online at frankshelton.com. Your generosity will help us bring the word to the world. This is Frank Shelton reminding you when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. God bless you and go with God. Tune in next week and God bless you.